Welcome in to another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you this week. A ton of news to get to, but first, hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are we doing? Doing well. It's a it's nice, sunny spring day as we record this on Thursday afternoon here in Fort Wayne. And we're inching closer and closer to May. It's It's getting there as far as the weather. Getting there, and we're supposed to have great weather here this weekend in Northeast Indiana, so... Uh, hopefully a an indicator of things to come in the month of May. Battling weather down in Indy this week for the open test, and we're going to break that down uh, here as we record. Just getting back on track, or for the first time today on Thursday, after a you know very peculiar day yesterday. So you know it's it's spring in Indiana. You never know what you're going to get day to day. It's about what sixty today. It's supposed to be eighty over the weekend, and then back. 50s next week so very normal for this time of year very and and always people always like well we never have springtime and i'm always like it's always like extremes right it's it's like 40s and 50s or 60s and 70s like there's no regular spring weather it seems like anymore and that's fahrenheit for our international yes not celsius (laughs) i cannot convert to celsius or kelvin (laughs) for some of 800 degrees kelvin yeah yeah (laughs) so um but yeah it's um it's it's uh, springtime in Indiana. You never know what you're going to get from day to day. And apparently we thought what was going to be a routine test day on Wednesday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Indy 500 uh, testing was anything but routine. I don't think I can remember a, a testing day that we've had that has come away with so much intrigue and questions and storylines like we had yesterday at IMS just Bizarre across the board issues with the warm-up lane exiting the pits. And even I think another driver, I forget who, but said they also had issues, you know, coming into three as well. Elio Castroneves crashed. He confirmed it was his Indy 500 winning car uh, on Peacock on the broadcast on the stream. Also, Colton Herta spun out trying to avoid Will Power, who spun out exiting the pits as well in the warm-up lane. And Marcus Erickson was there for both of them and narrowly yeah. avoided what would have been a very, very scary crash. Well, we need to be thankful that none of the incidents saw a car go up the racetrack and and make you know contact, a, an Alex Zanardi situation. And Will Power referenced that uh, on Wednesday is could have very easily had something like that happen with going up from the warm-up lane into the racing line. Luckily, we didn't have that ended the session early yesterday as as um you know the track trying to figure out what's wrong supposedly uh, a sealant is is the culprit rpe i guess is what it's called okay and it's, it's used what to repel rain then to kind of sit on the surface so they can get it off easier or dry easier i believe I so so it's you know they they put that i, I don't know i guess the the sealant chemical last fall on the racing surface, but then also to the pit lane area, somehow the grip levels were different. And what's odd is, and you brought this up when we were texting about this, you look at the drivers and I forgot to mention Alexander Rossi spun out on the install lap. Yeah. Thankfully, which no we, kind contact. Of, we kind of rolled our eyes. Like, here we go. The, you know, test hadn't even started and, and Andretti's already having issues with Rossi, but but that one I kind of saw as a, a one-off at the time of, well, 
you know, that's just unlucky. It's never happened. He laughed it off. We all kind of laughed it off and thought, well, maybe that'll get rid of the bad luck. Something as silly as that happening. But no, that should have been a sign of things to come and was later on in the day. But you discussed this and I didn't think about it until we kind of delved into it more. The names we mentioned, I mean, these are Indy 500 winners who had issues. Will Power, Rossi, and Castro Nevis. That's six combined Indy 500 wins. It's not rookies or one-off entries you know, that are struggling here w- with that yesterday. I mean, these are the best of the best. And I feel like those guys, those veteran drivers, know the limit that they can push on the warm-up lane whether it be mile per hour, whether it be rev limits, they know where to run, what the what you know, what the 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 sweet spot is running though on that lane. And so they're probably pre-programmed into that. And when the track changes like the sealant uh, apparently did to at least a portion of that warm-up lane, it completely throws them off. So, you know, it was almost advantage the youngsters or, you know, the the inexperienced at the track. They're still feeling out you know, how fast to go where, whereas these guys for, for years, if not decades, know what they can and can't do on that lane. And and unfortunately those were the guys that were bit because for so long, they've kind of really figured out, you know, what's acceptable on the warm-up lane. So really hurt them yesterday. Luckily no one was hurt, but also the only real serious damage was to Elio and, you know, his reaction over the course of, a half hour just you know every time they showed him on peacock was just kind of just befuddled and and knew what had happened in terms of the damage to the car that was his indy 500 winning car and Caleb, you mentioned it now you know we're we're a month you know five six weeks now away from the 500 but still you know you can rebuild that car and make it look like new and feel like new but it's just it's not gonna feel the way the car did before no matter what no and you could see kind of his emotions you know he got out of the car pretty slow i don't think because he was hurt or anything it was just more of he couldn't believe what had happened and he just kind of crouched down and sat there looking at the car like how did this happen what happened right and like you said we're six weeks out easily they're gonna repair the car they did not test thursday because they're working on repairing the car and understandably so no reason to rush back out you know with this car however the car is not the same. Like it will not be the same in May. They they have crew guys who work in the off season on just the Indy 500 chassis. Like that car, specialized development. I mean, if you're newer to IndyCar, basically a lot of teams have multiple chassis, but they'll set aside one, at least as far as the the bigger teams, the ones that can afford it. Not not necessarily the one off teams who have you know maybe one or two chassis per driver, but they will set aside a chassis and that's the any 500 car the, the work on it all off season you hear talk sometimes of body fit and that's just how the the parts and the pieces fit on the car you want to make it as smooth as possible so you decrease the drag and with a crash like this yeah it only damaged one side of the car but i mean every bit of that matters and counts in this situation and it's not to say that he can't be competitive that's not what we're saying but it does make it a little bit tougher for the driver and the crew to find speed when it comes to qualifying uh, for sure. Well, you look at it like this, you know, you're, you're basically continuing what you did last year in that car, right? You have all the baselines, you have all the data from that car. So, 
okay, you enter 2022 at the Speedway, having all this wealth of information, kind of knowing where the sweet spot is, what you need to adjust based on temperature, based on wind, all that stuff, how you're running in traffic. They got all that down. Now they're basically almost hitting reset because not only, you know, they're going to have to retest every single thing in that car and whether it changed or not is kind of figured out. So whereas up till yesterday, you were thinking if you're Mike Shank Racing, you're going into the month of May with a car that's proven and you know how it's going to react in a variety of situations. Now you're entering May with a lot of unknowns with a rebuilt race car. And I think that's kind of what we saw uh, with the emotion of Elio Castroneves, knowing that, man, we have so much work to do now, even when this car is rebuilt, to really find out how it functions on the track after, you know, really tearing up what was a car that you have to feel was pretty dialed in based on what happened last year. And Nathan Brown and the Indy Star kind of going into the process of what they did overnight, Wednesday into Thursday, tire dragging procedure, essentially, to, to sum it up, which is what what they have done at other tracks like Texas in the, in the past to try to increase grip. And Doug Bowles uh, with some interesting quotes on on kind of the changes when they applied this. He's called it a penetrant. It's been called a sealant. But basically, it's the same thing they've been putting on for several years on the track that's made it look darker in color. So that's a newer thing. And it's basically it it applies to the track and fills in the gaps. So when you have the constant freeze and thaw, in wintertime, um, that helps the track dry faster. That's kind of the whole point is that they can cut down on the track drying process. And that has worked. I mean, it has worked for that. And that that's been a good addition. Um, but what happened is they applied the sealant or penetrant one day in October. And then the next day that was to the track service. And then the next day to pit lane. And somehow you have different grip levels. And I know a lot of people were discussing Wednesday, you know, well, the, the temperatures are cooler, but you have to remember, I mean, the ambient temperature plus the track temperature was well over 100. So that, that's not an issue. Firestone deals with this. We had an Indy 500 back uh, 2013 where I don't even think it hit 60 degrees for the high that day. So the air temperature, not an issue when it comes to these cars. And it's just so bizarre that it was a warm up and pit lane issue and not a track issue. And I think, you know, you look at Elio Castroneves and, and Will Power, these guys have been on that warm-up lane you know, what hundreds of times, maybe even a couple thousand times in their career. And when we saw the in-car from Will Power and there was no indication of any acceleration or any brake whatsoever, he was just on the, the warm-up lane and immediately lost it, is, you know, that was an indicator that, hey, something's really off with this warm-up lane. So... Um, now that um, hopefully they've gotten that rectified, but you know, befuddling for the veterans who are used to, you know, being able to, um, you know, go through the warm-up lane without incident is is now they have issues. So it's been um, an interesting couple days, and and hopefully that's rectified. And you know, let, let's look at this. You know, this is one of the reasons why we have this annual open test, and we talk so much about the teams being able to dial in things going forward, but we're seeing the track having to deal with this, you know, much better. This happened now than the first day of practice on Tuesday after the grand prix, right? Yeah. It's better to get this situated now compared to May 17th when they open practice. And it's a great point because 
they hadn't put this on the pit lane in the past. So you could ask the obvious question, why would you do that now? And it's just, well, it's to protect your, your asphalt, your pavement. It's, it's in Indiana. You know, we have potholes all over the place. And, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is no different in terms of freeze-thaw, 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 and what that does to a surface. So they're having to treat it. You know, it's obviously uh, a little better quality than what we see, you know, the street departments laying down. But it also is affected by the weather. And Indianapolis smack dab uh, in the middle of the Midwest in terms of, of weather impacts. So it's a track you got to take care of. And, and it's natural to put this stuff on there from year to year. And you mentioned Will Powersman. That was even scarier than I think Elio's crash in the sense that Power was just exiting the pits. He spun essentially on the warm-up lane and next to it's the entrance of one and how Colton Herta saved the car with very minimal contact. The in-car video, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. Just amazing how he saved it. Uh, always watch the driver's hands in those situations, but just an incredible save. And and Colton tweeted to, to Will, said, hey, you owe me a beer. But yeah, that, that, that <laughs> whole thing was was terrifying because it could have been so much worse. Yeah, we you know, like I said, willpower referenced at the Alex, Alex Inardi situation uh, that we saw happen, you know, over in Europe definitely could have been replicated yesterday if things hadn't had gone a lot worse than what they did. Not really a lot to take away from times. One, it's a test. I, I don't think you're going to be concerned with your speed or lack of speed at the test. The weather could change quite a bit. We've had mostly overcast skies past couple of days. And, uh, you know, with the warm up, these are cooler temperatures than you would expect in May as well. But it's it's a good baseline and a shakedown because there may, may be a practice day with conditions similar. So you take that away. But again, no shock that A, Scott Dixon uh, was fastest on the first day and B, Team Penske looked like they were sandbagging. <laughs> all is well yeah all is well and you know this is the thing like we 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 in the last 10 years we've had chilly 500s you referenced it in 2013 and we've had a couple that have been brutally hot right and 2018 yeah you ne- we never know we, we don't know what the weather is going to be in the last weekend of may you think you know the way things have gone lately it's probably going to be pretty warm but you you never know in Indiana in the spring. So, you know, these last two days, maybe conditions will be similar to this on race day. Who, who knows? So uh, you never want to discount an opportunity to get out on track, particularly at an open test, because, you know, th- this could be replicating pretty closely the conditions of late May. And at the very least, you're getting, you know, some baselines that uh, that you can get your your car set up as practice begins after the Grand Prix. couple of notes from the test uh, when it comes to, you know, you have veterans and, and refresher tests and rookie tests. Uh, yesterday, six of the eight veterans uh, refresher and then rookie tests were completed. And then Sage Karam uh, joined that list on Thursday. And people were wondering, well, why are uh, Jimmy Johnson, why, why was he running? Grosjean was in there too. Um, that's because they completed two of the three phases uh, when they did their test a few months back in the off season. So that's why they were not with the rookies. So that's kind of the update there. And 
I think both of them have a chance for a really strong month. I don't want to go into full Jimmy Johnson talk here, but I think both of them, because of previous test time on this track, and they're with two of the top teams here, they both should have success, or at least be set up for success in May. And we'll get a lot of track time, as you said, you know, between this test and uh, the week of practice and all that. They'll get plenty of time on track for sure. And with two teams that know how to dial up cars uh, to get around the speedway. Also, another note, Ryan hunter Ray was interviewed on the Peacock broadcast on Wednesday. He's been helping out Callum Eilat. He helped out at Texas also there this weekend, or excuse me, this week, helping out Eilat for the IMS test. Hmm, Basically said that things needed to be right time, right situation. I don't think that will come up for him here last minute. It sounded uh, sound more like he'd be looking for something next year. He's running sports cars in IMSA. Nate Ryan with more on that. Hunter Ray said, I don't know about this year. I've had several offers, whether it be bad timing or not the right timing or the right situation. I want to be very careful with how I choose that opportunity. I've got some good things in the works that I'm excited about it. And you, you got to remember his name was mentioned and we know that Hunkos is one of those possibilities for that 33rd entry and then throw in dragon speed as well as an option for the 33rd entry to fill the field for the 500 next month. I don't think Hunter Ray would take something last minute though, because I think he wants the right fit in the right situation. Do you feel as if Ryan Hunter Ray will ever be a full-time IndyCar driver again? No, really? No, I think he'll be in sports cars for several years. He's had success in sports cars, you know, kind of dabbling in the past. And that's what he's doing now. And I I think that's kind of where his career is at. And I think he will have the opportunity for 500 rides. But I I don't see him, you know, desperately searching for a full-time IndyCar ride. Maybe not for 2022, but I find it hard to believe that Ryan hunter Ray would be Working with Hunkos in the way he is going to races in Texas and coming to the test in Indianapolis, if there hasn't been discussion with Hunkos about a second car next year. Well, and Hunkos, I mean, in, in previous years, they kind of said, yeah, they'd like to run, you know, last offseason, they said they'd like to run a second car at Indy and they'd love to have a second car full time with a veteran to pair with the young guy. That does fit the bill there. I just don't know if Ryan Hunter Ray would take that unless he really thought it was the right opportunity. Now, I will say this. I think Kunkos has surprised both of us this year. One, Iwat's very talented. I don't think yeah. that was a I question. Mean, he could very well be in the F1 in an F1 seat right now. Yeah. And what he did last year with a team kind of thrown together for the final couple of races, not a guy who was in the way. They were not just a ridiculous backmarker team. They were competitive. Yeah, they're not competing for Firestone Fast Sixes and and Poles and all that, but no one expected that. However, they're putting up some decent times on the timesheets and sessions, and I think he's been solid. Now, I couldn't tell you where he sits, you know, in the point standings, because we're not about that, but... He's keeping it clean. He's bringing home complete race cars. He's not crashing race in, race out, and that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, I think there is a bit of an allure to be that 33rd car that maybe otherwise wouldn't be there. Let's take Ryan Hunter Ray, for example. If Hunkos was, if he was going to be in a second Hunkos car 
and they were 35, 36 entries. That's not as big of a lure for him as being the 33rd car. So if you're telling him there's going to be 33 cars and you're going to be one of them and you don't have to compete, you know, to, to, to be bumped or not, that's a better sell for Ryan Hunter Ray or any veteran for that matter, as opposed to I'm going to be in a second Hunko's car, a developing team with the possibility of being bumped. Outside of Hunter Ray, this is from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. He says, I've also been told R.C. Enerson will not run in the 500 this year. And as of late last week, Spencer Piggott had not been in contact about a ride despite being mentioned by some as possible options. Feel for number 33 getting pretty slim less than a month from practice. So can, we, can, we can cross out Piggott and Enerson. Okay. We can cross out De Silvestro because we'll get to that later, but... Um, they're running a, a road and street course program, uh, Pareto Autosport in partnership with Ed Carpenter racing, cross her out. So that's three that were on the list. Uh, another name I've seen kind of emerge, Charlie Kimball. And then obviously Stefan Wilson. It seems like it's down to those two at the moment for who could be 33. And then more comments uh, about possibilities. And again, we're not concerned about them getting to 33. They'll get there. And, and nor is management from, from what it sounds like, because the quote um, with uh, the announcement for De Silvestro, pretty adamant that there will be 33. In fact, Mark Miles said, I think we can pretty much guarantee there will be 33 cars in the field. And I wouldn't rule out one more beyond that. And I think that one more would potentially be dragon speed. I feel if the the deal is hasn't been hammered out already, it's it's pretty imminent. But um, we're going to throw out breaking news, or I'm going to, because as we said, we're recording this during the second day of testing at Indianapolis. As of right now, Caleb, P1 is Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I just looked at it. And so I just wanted to make note of that uh, for all the JJ lovers out there, especially you, Caleb, as of right now, <laughs> JJ atop the time charts at Indianapolis over two twenty five. So again, I think we expect him to be quick and to have an opportunity to qualify for the fast nine and all of that. I, it's not out of reach at all, especially with how much testing time they have taking a look at uh, some other notes from the, the first day of testing and other kind of things that have, come out a lot of livery reveals we'll kind of run through those uh the dhl car with roman grosjean they'll do the delivered with pride for the indy 500 i think they did that last year for detroit in all of june but they're, they're extending it to the indy 500 kind of the rainbow side pod cool looking car there tony Kanon, he'll be in the one car which he got from alex Pillow, who obviously had the the first rights to the number one car Ganassi doesn't like running the number one, but it's working here and it works with a campaign. The American Legion Be the One campaign to help spread awareness to put an end to veteran suicide. So a really good mission there uh, with Tony Kanon and the American Legion for that car. How about Aero McLaren SP? Wow, what do you think <laughs> about the green, Caleb? Uh, the the olive. Olive. Green. The olive. Apologies. You know, I will say this. It looks... Not so bad when you look at, you know, pictures, you know, of it, you know, on track or in gasoline alley. Like it, it looks a little bit better in, in that situation. I'm look, I know everybody loves a good delivery or, you know, criticize a livery. My thing always goes back to 
is it is there a sponsor yes is it helping the sponsor with whatever color scheme or livery it is yes is it bringing money into the team yes then i'm happy with it i would much rather see a car with maybe not the best color scheme as opposed to a completely blank car and i i know livery is always you know kind of um a big talking point and, and the unveiling and all that stuff. And, uh, but I, I'm just, you know, if you got, if you got, uh, sponsors all over the car, however, you're pleasing them with that paint scheme and color scheme, then more power to you. Other livery reveals for the 500 Marco Andretti's number 98 cooler curb Honda machine. And it's K L U R cooler, uh, kind of a deep blue color with white accents. That one looks pretty sharp. Good looking car for Marco. Also Sage Karam, his ride basically looks the same as last year with yep. AES Indiana, which is a, a power company used to be known as uh, Indianapolis power and light IPL for those in the Indy area, but looks similar to last year. And who Joseph else? Newgarden, Joseph Newgarden. Now, that, that one's sharp. That one is, is very sharp with Newgarden. Uh, kind of an homage to what Danny Sullivan spent in wind car in 85, if you will. The uh, Shell Fuel Rewards car, it's got the the gold accents on it. Good-looking car for him. And then, obviously, we know that McLaughlin is in the yellow submarine with Pennzoil. I think that covers it when it comes to the livery reveals that we have seen for the Indy 500. But a, a good list of cars. And we have a couple more to go, including that 33rd. And another update on testing. All ROP and refresher courses have been completed for this year. So Montoya was the last. He completed his refresher. So that's all taken care of. Basically, the, the test, as far as that aspect goes, is a success. So moving on to, I think, the the big story of the last week or so, Alexander Rossi. And it started with an Associated Press article by Jenna Fryer, their motorsports reporter, talking about Pato Award Classic burying the lead. <laughs> that is what uh, Jennifer Indy, Indy car journalists uh, tend to do. But it makes it makes you read the whole story. An that award unhappy, uh, but he reportedly got a contract ex- extension through 2025. That from Marshall Prude of Racer.com. So Pato Award locked in with McLaren. I think the fact that uh, Award was not happy and didn't get the contract for the the to test McLaren's F1 cars like Colton Herta did, but apparently they've worked it out, and so he's locked in long-term. But the thing that came through that was a curious, just a couple paragraphs from the end of the story from Jenna Fryer, Alexander Rossi is rumored to have signed a contract to leave Andretti Autosport and become McLaren's third driver next season, despite conflicting answers from all parties involved. And she goes on to say at McLaren Rossi, we get a much needed change of scenery. And as a former Indianapolis 500 champion and seventh race winner, he'd help the organization get its cars where award and Rosenquist need them. So that was the first bit of news and the first kind of what inkling that this is a possibility. And then we got some information from a source Wednesday night that is added to this. And I don't think, this is really a big surprise because Marshall Pruitt has teased this as a rumor that he'd go to Ganassi or McLaren for a while. And we even have debated this for what? Well over a year. Yes. And I feel like, you know, McLaren was naturally on our short list as well. 
it's the fit that makes the most sense, especially with that third car expansion. We thought at the time that it would be two cars. And so we just thought, well, if Rosenquist continues to struggle that, you know, he could fill in that seat or if Pato Award goes to Formula One, well, with three cars, we have been told that uh, Rossi to McLaren for 2023 should be announced within the next couple of races. And also the understanding is that Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist would return to the team. And this is just speculation on my part. I think it makes sense, though. I would guess that this would be announced sometime at or after Detroit. Why? Chevy race. Chevy race. Yep. Chevy team. Rossi's a, a Honda factory driver, so it's Chevy being able to make a big announcement with that at their home race with their manufacturer. So all of that seems to, to check all the boxes. And I, I get a lot of people have questions on, well, how is this getting done now? Well, a couple of things. One, just because Alexander Rossi can't talk to other teams does not mean that his agent or manager who happens to be his dad, his dad is his manager, <laughs> right? Doesn't mean he can't talk to other teams, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think how it's been over the last, I'd say, year plus between Alexander Rossi and Andretti Autosport, it's a relationship that has continued to sour. And we can look into what people are saying or not saying, you know, regarding this move. But the fact is, nobody's come out and said, no, it's completely inaccurate. And I think no. that's that's as telling as anything is, you know, Andretti, um, Rossi, Zach Brown. None of them have come out and said that's not true. Well, and Michael Andretti didn't really help dispel the the rumors with his comments to Marshall Pruitt and Racer.com uh, a few days back before uh, kind of the, this. We got the got the, the source on this, but it, it, he's not doing anything to kind of dispel the notion that, that Rossi is gone. It, we talked last week, comments that Michael Andretti had with Nathan Brown of the Indy star almost made it sound like we wish him the best. It's yeah, been great it was working with like them. A farewell type thing. We and- understand that, you know, the relationship's not working out. We're still friends, but Michael, his comments are interesting talking about well zach wouldn't even do that and the clause in contract which prohibits him from making contact with other teams until a specific date later in the year and that's pretty standard a lot of times it's what july 31st for a lot of drivers usually right somewhere around then all it takes is a handshake deal behind closed doors um between two people to make this happen and you know i feel like all parties involved have a lot more that they would love to say off the record or once this saga and it is kind of their development of saga is completed. I feel like Michael Andretti probably has some thoughts that he would love to uh, say in private. I think Alexander Rossi definitely does and maybe even Zach Brown as well. So I feel like once this happens, we could get some, some interesting quotes from from various parties based on on what has transpired and and what still remains because regardless if it's announced or not anytime soon alexander rossi will be completing the season with andretti autosport yes and i don't think anyone has a doubt on that and and some of michael's quotes with marshall 
talking about the errors, saying, I'm not blaming him at all. He's a real talent. He hasn't got the results for whatever reason, but I know he can win a lot of races for us, so we're not giving up on him. It's the best way to put it. I don't think he's given up on us yet. He's a friend, and I'm rooting for him. I rate him highly, and hopefully we work things out. Huh. Well, I take exception to the one part of that quote that says, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten the results. I can tell you the reason or the reasons why the results have not been there. The team has let him down. The pit crew has let him down, or he himself has let himself down. I think if you factor all three of those in, the amount of quote-unquote bad luck instances for Alexander Rossi is about the same as everybody else, right? I, I don't think Alexander Rossi is more or less unlucky than any other driver in the field. I just feel like he's been he's been bitten by either mechanical gremlins or mistakes on pit road, or quite frankly, mistakes of his own doing. Essentially the same thing that happened to Ryan Hunter Ray every year after 2015 at Andretti with the exception of 2018 when he won two races, his last two IndyCar wins, right? I mean, that that was a guy who was competing for the Indy 500 before his brakes failed on him coming into his last pit stop and that ruined his race. He had so many similar instances of that over the years and it just seemed to shift its way to Rossi recently. Yeah, and you know, at this point, a change of scenery for Alexander Rossi is is the best thing. You know, he's obviously pushing because the, of the drought. The other thing Michael did say, in the meantime, we're talking to people to see what is out there and what's better, or if there's something better than what we have. We're always talking to people, and so we'll have ourselves covered one way or another. Talking about if Rossi leaves, obviously Oliver Askew mentioned drives for Andretti in Formula E. Kyle Kirkwood, who we, from what we gather, is essentially on a one-year loan to AJ Foyt Racing, and then we'll be back in Andretti next year. From what we understand, and you know, I I know the focus is always on the driver lineup and how that's going to impact. Um, and I'm sure I'm not telling Michael Andretti anything he doesn't already know, but I, I really feel like the emphasis for for Andretti Autosport really needs to be in the paddock or you know in the garage. We've we've heard, you know, with Alexander Rossi, he hasn't had the same crew on his car any of the races this year. Which is wild when you talk about continuity. Right. Not having that continuity. That that is not helpful for a driver or a team. This is a team that should have the most continuity in the paddock because they're one of the teams that is invested in the road to Indy. And sh- and so just as they're grooming drivers in the road to Indy, they should also be grooming pit crews. Uh, or at least mechanics and engineers and all that stuff and moving them up. So I just, I don't understand. I don't know if there's an, if there's not enough uh, attention being put on those things or not enough financial investment into paying the right people. I'm not sure, but I don't know what replacing Alexander Rossi with whoever driver does for a team. If they don't improve on pit lane and, in the mechanics room and the engineering room. So to me, that's the issue. Um, it's more and more looking like a team that has a single bullet in the chamber with Colton Herta. We anticipate Romain Grosjean winning a race, but hasn't happened yet. So we can't, you know, factor him in. And then of course we know the drought with Alexander Rossi. So uh, I think, you know, Ro- Rossi overall is, is pushing because of the race drought, because if he's constantly being asked it, it is brought up anytime he qualifies towards the pointy end of the field. 
the the narrative automatically goes on if he's going to end that drought, and that can be a lot of pressure. And we've seen him drive with that pressure and make mistakes under pressure. So I think a clean slate for Alexander Ross would be best. And I think we also have to talk about uh, Pato Award because up to a couple weeks ago, where was Pato Award's future at McLaren at? And now all of a sudden we have some clarity. And I would imagine, Caleb, would you feel with that contract going through, what, 2025? At least 2025, according to Marshall. Will... Pato Award find himself on the Formula One side of things by 2025 with McLaren. I would say if he has success this season and not necessarily winning a championship or the Indy 500, but if he wins, you know, a couple more races, I would say he's headed in that direction. And, you know, you could read between the lines talking about the the contractual discussions and, and how Pato Award was looking for money that some of the top drivers in IndyCar are making. And and I kind of, you know, brought up the fact that this is a guy that with all this promise still only won two races in his entire career in IndyCar. Yeah. I mean, Colton Hurd has had leaps and bounds more success right. than Pato so, so far. You so can, far. You can ask for top money that Scott Dixon's getting and Joseph Newgarden's getting. And, and to be that. fair, why wouldn't you right. ask? But you should not be offended or upset when you don't get it because quite frankly, the on-track results haven't given you that opportunity to make that money. You still have to prove it on track. And Pato Award still has not. And and for that matter, you know, Arrow McLaren SP at large, which, you know, from comments from Zach Brown, will most assuredly expand to three full-time cars in 2023 and potentially run a fourth at Indianapolis. Yes. So after they said they would not run that third car after the Indy 500 this year, and that was due in part to, you know, if they had a driver currently in the series, they're not going to run the third car. Huh? Go figure. All these dots connect yeah. and line up perfectly. How about that? Hmm? So they will have the third car and they're considering a fourth car for ne- next year's Indy 500. Uh, he made those comments uh, earlier this week. So that is set. And going back to, to Rossi and, and everything, kind of a good exchange on Twitter between Nathan Brown and Jenna Fryer about all this. Nathan Brown says, as she, referring to Jenna, points out in the story, as I wrote this week in February, Andretti said Rossi was free to look elsewhere. Message changed last weekend when he emphatically said AA, as in Andretti Autosport, held an exclusive window on Rossi. Alexander Rossi couldn't talk to other suitors, and he wanted and hoped Alexander Rossi would return. And then Jenna says, yes, this all happened. Michael said at St. Pete, but I told Alex if he gets something else, he can take it. And then last week, he can't talk to anyone else. We were evaluating each other. He also offered without prompt that Rossi might not want to return to Andretti. All of this tells me that something changed behind the something scenes. Something happened, yep. And with all of this popping up just within the last week, and we get this information following the Long Beach weekend, go figure. Right. Considered another Rossi's home race, if yeah. you will, uh, even though he's from more Northern California. And more woes for Andretti Autosport at Long mm-hmm. Beach. With all of that, there's clearly smoke and to this rumor and and again all signs point to this getting announced in the next couple of races that's what we've been told at this point it's an inevitability wherever whenever it's announced formally and who knows it could sneak out unofficially before it's officially announced so i think you know all trends behind the scenes and fitting those pieces together really indicate that not only has alexander rossi leaving Andretti Autosport at the end of the season. 
he probably, in all likelihood, has already found his new home for 2023. Meanwhile, the other bit of driver news this week, Simona Di Silvestro and Pareto Autosport, they will race in three races this year, but not at Indianapolis. They've partnered in a technical alliance with Ed Carpenter Racing. The number 16 car with Simona Di Silvestro will run at Road America, Mid-Ohio, and Music City. They're looking to add more. And KiwiCo, which is like a STEM box thing for kids. I know it's very popular. I've heard of it. Is one of the uh, sponsors for the car. Peretta says she wants to go full time. Of course, we heard this last year. Another thing I want to note that I found curious. IndyCar in their tweet on this says, as a Penske Entertainment Race for Equality and Change update. Goes on to say, Preda Sport, as in Preda Autosport, and Simona Di Silvestro will return to the NTT IndyCar Series in multiple races this season. Find it very curious that uh, that's how they phrase that. Very interesting, and you know, get a couple of beers in Beth Preda, and maybe she can uh, give us the the real story behind that. But you know, by and large, you know, this is a success story for Preda Autosporting going forward. But I also feel like it's a failure for the series at large. And I'll tell you why, because the system's supposed to work like this, right? You get funding or you get assistance for an Indy 500 ride. This was the plan last year, and this was going to blossom into a part-time entry that was going to eventually grow into a full-time entry. So last year was that door in, right? And Pareto Autosport and Simona Di Silvestro expected this relationship to continue, and it didn't. And so... The road to f- respectability and full-time uh, racing in IndyCar for Pareto Autosport took a detour. It now had to find a different way. So when we talk about trying to fill the the, the field of 33, Beth Pareto probably looked at it like, that didn't help us last year. We're back where we were, right? Uh, we're not getting support from where we did last year in terms of the series. And what does it do for us to lay everything out on the line and bust our butt and, you know, be in the field of 33. What's it gain us long-term because it didn't help them last year. So she goes out, she makes a deal with Ed Carpenter. And I think this is a path that takes you to full-time status in IndyCar. You do three races next year. You do, let's say six races year after that. You know, maybe all of them. Maybe you add a couple, you know, six races in Indy or something. It's a multi-year process. So while, you know, we sh- you would think, and a lot of teams like look at the Indianapolis 500 as that first step into, you know, their their growth into the sport, that didn't work for Beth Peretta. And so she has to find another way. And, you know, unfortunately, the system failed in that regard in terms of, you know, fostering that relationship that was started last year. She basically had to hit reset. And she's saying all the right things, of course, you know, publicly, which one is want to do in those situations. But uh, they talk to everyone in the paddock, not just Chevy teams. Even though she reigned with Chevy last year, she has connections with Chevy to try to get an Indy 500 program together for this year, and it didn't work. And it just seemed like she she was shut out, which is the same thing that happened to Michael Shank a decade ago in IndyCar. And again, it's 
whoever holds the chassis holds the key, right? That, that's yeah, kind of yeah, how this much. has played out, especially this offseason and even into the season when it comes to one-off entries and part-time entries that include the Indy 500. If you don't have your own chassis, it's pretty tough because a lot of these teams that want to enter the race, getting an engine deal does not seem to be an issue because Chevy and Honda have said, we'll support up to 18. Now, Honda has been very specific about that 18th being a kind of a special circumstance, special entry deal. You would think that this would qualify, however, due to the Chevy ties, that was probably a no-go when it comes to adding pro to autosport and partnering with the team. All that said, I have not seen anything anywhere outside of that tweet by IndyCar, and they probably had that all across social media, that mentions the race for equality and change for this year. Now, we knew that Ernie Francis Jr. and Indy Lights, and that's a full-time deal, and that's a much bigger expense than Miles Rowe was last year for USF 2000, but then also the Indy 500, that's a big expense, and yeah, you get a sponsor, but you're looking at what, like $1.5 to $2 million last year with Ernie Francis and Lights, that's probably about a million dollar commitment sure. on the max end. Yeah. And it is very curious. And, and like you said, a failure on IndyCar's part to kind of leave both Simona Di Silvestre and Proto Autosport, Miles Rowe, um, Force 99 or, or whatever. The, the team, they were not left in the lurch, but Miles Rowe was. And sure. while there's, a, a, I guess, a happy ending and conclusion for both drivers it still feels like they were both let down. It was very much blown up by the series last year about Pred Autosport and them being in in the 500 and all that stuff. And it just, you know, kind of, it felt like the beginning of a long relationship and really kind of, you know, putting the spotlight on women in IndyCar and for whatever reason, that went away. And if, 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 if it's merely something where you know, funding, it just wasn't there. I understand it, but you know, IndyCar being silent on the whole thing and then trying to, you know, jump on board yesterday as trying to be a part of this announcement by Beth Peretta and Ed Carpenter racing, uh, was just kind of, kind of ridiculous. And I'm glad this, the team found a way in. It just wasn't the way, they thought or we thought it would go after May last year. And the the race for equality and change program, it, it's still listed under that banner for the team. It's according to Nathan Brown and the Indy Star. But it's not a funding thing. They're just providing assistance. It, it's not really though they're providing you know a big chunk of money like they did last year. It's again, it's great to have Simona back in the series. It's great that she'll be at three races and this team is partnering with Ed Carpenter Racing. I mean, it seems like the the perfect kind of team for that situation. But that doesn't mean it's not a disappointment that it didn't work out for the Indy 500 to be included with all of this, right? I, I mean, right. to me that that's how I sum this up. Unfortunately, you know, the 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 path to being a team on the rise in IndyCar in terms of entering the series, the easier path, the the better path right now is these incremental steps and not just an Indy only program because you can put all of your resources and all of your money and all of your sponsorship dollars and all of your effort into the month of May and you could either not make the race or destroy the car and then you're just left 
with nothing. If you don't make the race, sponsors are pissed. You know, you're, you're basically just square one. There's no prize, all that stuff. If you wreck your car, whatever money you're getting from even starting the race is going into fixing that car. And you're probably in debt at that point. So being able to start on road courses where, you know, damage is more than likely going to be less catastrophic than on an oval. And you can really start building those relationships and start building your funding and all that stuff incrementally is a much better play. You know, as much as I would like to see 40 cars trying for the 500, if the path to long-term stability for a team is the way we're seeing Beth Peretta go about it, then I'm all for it. I'm hopeful that, yeah, like you said, the, the Meyer Shank approach, right? Yes. I'm hopeful that's the way that this works out, but it doesn't mean we're, we're not going to be frustrated along the way. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at these fledgling teams that are looking at it. Let's talk about Dragon Speed. Let's talk about um, Cusick Motorsports at this point. Let's talk a second Hunkos. Like, what does it benefit those teams to put a lot of assets into racing the Indianapolis 500 and destroying a car? you could say it doesn't at all you know so as much as we like to buy into the quotes of you know it's my dream to start the 500 or be a car in the 500 you know any of these teams that have uh visions of being a full-time team man it can bite you in the indianapolis 500 and no yeah conversely if you go out and and you're a top 10 you're you, you get some tv time you bring it home in one piece, your feel good story that can help as well. But you know, more often than not, those one offs or those new teams, you know, really struggle being competitive in may. And, you know, I feel like the risk reward thing, there's a lot more risk than potential reward. Look at top gun. I think they're the perfect yeah. example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at who goes, they were the feel good story a couple of years ago, knocking out McLaren um and uh, and uh alonzo alonzo and it didn't turn into anything like they got some added sponsors between qualifying and the race but in terms of long term it didn't help them they were then gone you know until last season running three races now they're full-time right but that that included a new partner with the team so Ricardo Hunko's taking a different approach right he wasn't just putting all his eggs in the indy 500 basket he was doing a different path and i feel like we're seeing more and more of that and beth Peretta found out the hard way that that's probably not the wise play to go indy 500 or bust if you uh, agree or disagree with us on that or any of these topics we'd love for you to interact with us you can find us at new track record podcast.com while you're there sign up for the email list so you never miss an episode or any other special announcements you can interact with us on social media, on Twitter. Our handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us, just uh, search for New Track Record. And you also email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And always, as always, follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Music, um, Go- yeah, Google Podcasts, sorry, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcast, Overcast, CastBox, etc you can follow us all for free okay justin mailbag time and no shocker we have plenty to get to because of a lot of different stories in the past week it seems like it's busier on an off weekend somehow some way pretty crazy right yes 
All right. First off from NK Harden, you might need to hold Justin back on this one. Talking about Penske says ovals are IndyCar's primary growth need. I think you agree. We, yeah. we kind of touched on it last week. Yeah, I would agree. Now, what those ovals are, better question. Yes. And, and to us, short ovals, go where you're wanted. Hey, here, here, here's, here's something being thrown out. We talk about available ovals. Have you seen the investment that is going to be put into North Wilkesboro Speedway? Yes. I don't know if that ever Too in a short of a years, track, though. I would think? say. Yeah. I mean, it's six, six tenths it's, of a mile. It's less than Iowa. Right. But what's Richmond? Three quarters? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's terrible. I'm just saying, if we're looking for different, uh, you know, it sounds like trucks will eventually go back there. Um, I'm just saying, throwing it out there. North Wilkesboro. Keep an eye on it. <laughs> Elsewhere, uh, the Roth says, which comes first, third OEM or third McLaren in IndyCar? Third McLaren. Yeah, third McLaren. According to Stitch, answer my question last week that we had uh, the race in Pensacola. It's called the Snowball Derby. There it is. Late model race at Five Flags Speedway. Thank you for that. Jamin T14, Roger rolling into what must have been the only meeting where they actually thought about what they were doing. And it's the gif of Michael Scott saying, let's celebrate diversity. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Uh, SRT Nick 12 talking uh, your tweet on Pato. Two career wins, zero titles. His opinion of himself. There are a lot of responses. SRT Nick 12 says, yeah, exactly. And if he was offered the same deal as Herta plus a reworked deal, he's anything but right. Scuba Steve 85 says, I understand when to get as much as you can in a contract negotiation, but Pato needs to realize he's no New Garden or Dixon yet. Also very short-sighted to turn down an F1 testing deal when his stated goal has always been F1. And he adds, also makes you wonder if there's more behind the Red Bull deal falling apart than we know. Yeah, him turning down the F1 testing deal was curious in that uh, AP story. Yeah, interesting. I mean, was it was it something where he had, you know, time commitment, had to maybe miss some some IndyCar seat time? I, I really don't know. There has to be a reason. Like, you know, you don't turn down F1 seat time for no reason, right? Even if it's no. a test. No. So, I mean, maybe just Pato, and maybe this goes along with the with the you know contract negotiations. Does he have an arrogancy about him? And that's not necessarily wrong. You know, there's, you know, more often than not, race car drivers are arrogant. You know? You have and, to be confident, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to be cocky a little bit. You have to have an elevated opinion of yourself. And maybe that's what we find with Pato Award. Could he potentially say, you know, I'm not doing a testing deal because I should be in a seat. Potentially. I don't know. I mean, I find that hard to believe, but I guess anything's possible. Indy Oreo, John Oreovitz says, is he demanding Marco money? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? NK Harden, should he want to get paid less? Who goes to a contract negotiation not wanting to get as much as they can? Well, yeah, no, I agree. And I think great he, point. he did go in there, but I think he was upset that he didn't get that. And, you know, to, to our point, what has he done in IndyCar to warrant being paid like the top drivers in the sport. Jeremy from HBG says, I missed something again. I just keep winning. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is in reference to. Oh, uh, winning like, uh, what's his name? Martin Sheen? Not Martin oh, Sheen. Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, H. Saavedra says he's fast, but he still has so much to learn. Patience isn't his strong suit. It's going to cost him unless he calms down. You know, I'll say this. He's a young driver. None of these things are like that surprising. He's talented, he's young, he's quick. Bit brash. Yeah. 
This is what you would expect. But I also think he knows and we know that at his age, there are drivers getting F1 rides. Yes. And even younger. The clock is ticking. Yes. And he probably looks at it as I am better than this driver or that driver. And I understand it can be frustrating because you don't have the, the, the connections necessary um, to, to get an opportunity over there. But you know, if anything, I guess it shows just how difficult it is right now to go from IndyCar to formula one. This from Vicky Lynn 26 talking about this is the, the first AP story on uh, the, the news is buried in the story. In fact, that's what Jenna Fryer tweeted out. She did. That's how everyone caught on to it. But Vicky Lynn 26 saying, I hope not. Anywhere, but they're still bitter over their treatment of Oliver Askew and Hinch. Sorry, thumbs down. I get that people have that. Still salty. It's understandable. Um, this from Vicky Lynn 26 as well, talking about the Preda Autosport move. It's a bummer about Indy, but I think this is a better plan. Get them out there more often, showing what they can do. The more eyes, potential sponsors, the better for their future. Can't be upset about this news. Now, one thing I'm curious about so they're doing Road America, Nashville, and why can't I remember the other race? Mid-Ohio? I believe so. I'm just curious what what the TV deal looks like. So Mid-Ohio is on NBC. I'm not going to Toronto. Road America is on NBC, and Nashville is on NBC. Huh. Go figure. Yeah. Right? Chose wisely, huh? You're, you're not doing the oval race, the gateway race, which is on USA. You're not doing the peacock race, which is Toronto. And they're not doing Detroit, right? So th- right. that's on USA as well. So yeah, you're getting three network races. Yeah, it's not going to add up to the numbers, the eyeballs is the Indy 500, but that is your best possible situation. And it doesn't put all your eggs in one basket, the Indianapolis 500 basket. All right, you posted this poll. Great, great question. Which team is Alexander Rossi driving for when he gets his next win? 41% said Aaron McLaren SP. 33% Andretti Autosport. 15% he never wins again. 11% another IndyCar team. Wow, that is surprising. A lot of votes on that. A lot of responses. Hunter's Way 67. He was headed for the front row during Fast 6 for Long Beach when that red flag came out. I think a win is coming soon. Poet Shevchenko. I don't know with which team, but Rossi will be driving a car powered by the third OEM. <laughs> Autosport Lab, it will be the Indy 500, and he will be driving for Meyer Shank Racing. Interesting. R. Cole, at this point, it's hard seeing him getting another win. Hope I'm wrong. Jamin T14 just says, hashtag already peaked. And Human yeah. Spectre 1, I want to see him back fighting for wins. I believe he still has it in him. IndyCar has just been getting even more competitive the last couple of years, but I believe he can grab some more wins. You know, something that changed... It's pretty obvious. Uh, the arrow screen changed. He hasn't won since the introduction of the arrow screen. I'm not saying that's to blame. I'm just pointing out that could it be more than a coincidence? Well, it definitely has affected him, and he hasn't. Um, he's been vocal when asked about it. I don't think he's he's used it as an excuse, but it also can kind of say that it's affected his driving style more than maybe others have been affected. All right, couple of comments complaining about you're complaining about yes. Jimmy Johnson. DC Soda, I'd rather listen to points talk than whining about Johnson. <laughs> Not even a fan of his or NASCAR, but he broke his hand and gave it a go, but now he'll never improve. Maybe he will, will maybe he won't, but as far as I can tell, he's been a great ambassador for the series, For who, so who cares? 
Daniel SCM 2004 chimes in. Justin complaining about coverage, spending too much time on Jimmy while spending 10 minutes complaining about Jimmy. <laughs> I am part of the problem is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, he goes on to say, JJ gets coverage because his sponsor spends millions with NBC and TV ads. If you're sick of them, tell PNC to buy ads on NBC or Rocket or PPG or Verizon, etc. That is a very good point that I did not consider. Considering Carvana is paying what they're paying for commercials and signage on the broadcast, I can get behind that rationale. Very fair point. Yes. And I would say this, I don't know about Rocket, but PNC, to my understanding, is a business-to-business deal, so you're not going to see a big national ad campaign right? Uh, with Dixon. Can't speak for Rocket, can't speak for PPG, which when's the last time you saw an ad for PPG on TV? Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> so it, every sponsor has different ways of doing things, but I still feel like if they're in IndyCar and they're staying in IndyCar, it's working for them. And Carvana has been a welcome addition across the series in a variety of ways. A couple of responses on the Arrow McLaren SP Livery reveal for the Indy 500. Vicky Lynn 26. Not a fan to begin with. Those are not even a little pretty. They look like they're put together with spare parts from other teams. <laughs> it does kind of look like it, that, right? Remember the uh, Thiago Medeiros car from, what was that, like 2006 or whatever? Right. Seven. It was just a, yeah, a conglomerate <laughs> That's, of different colors. Yeah. It's a prettier looking version of that. Yeah. In my opinion. Slightly prettier. Poet Shevchenko. What is it about clothing companies and splashing so many different colors on cars? To reference the Benetton car in Formula One in 1990. I think that car looks better, though, that he sent in the picture. Yeah, I'd agree. And, uh, yeah, so those are, are some of the responses there, but I, I think the Benetton car looks okay compared. But, again, you see it on track, you see it in person, it changes how you view it. And I think people will come around to it. I did not like it at first. I know you're in the camp of whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, is it the most beautiful car no is it is, Mc, is mclaren getting more money because of it yes you posted this and i thought it was very funny second indie road course race on dirt do it now penske corp you cowards <laughs> after the uh nascar dirt race and i use dirt very loosely mud race got over four million viewers on easter night a uh, big number for them. I think it was more, I mean, as much as the the dirt race was, I think it was a combination of things because I'll take myself, for example, went to do Easter stuff, came home, nothing else to do. Hey, Bristol on dirt's on. Sunday evening, Easter, people think, oh, you got to avoid a holiday, but I think it's a prime time for to have a race. Great for TV, not so great for the crowd, but the Bristol spring race doesn't draw a good crowd regardless. Regardless. That's been an issue you know, for a very long time. Yeah, whatever. Um, I mean, the fact that it's so early in the year, I think doesn't help. And they've actually moved it back a little bit from previous years, but I think they're, they're trying something different. I think they're still trying to work out the particulars when it rains and turns that dirt into mud. It's very problematic. You know, having to throw the caution early and basically scrape off everybody's radiators is an issue, but I still like the concept and it's outside of the box and you know, it is beaten and banging on the dirt and that's, you know, some people will say it's not racing, but it's a form of racing and I think it can be entertaining and I didn't hate it to be honest. Look, I don't watch that many NASCAR races. I will admit I'll watch the Daytona 500 and usually that includes an app. I will watch whatever race they run at IMS. I will watch the Bristol night race 
watch the last couple laps of Talladega this weekend? Uh, maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, I probably will do that. And then this dirt race, it got me to watch, just like the race at the Coliseum, that exhibition yeah. in the preseason, week after the Super Bowl. That got me to watch as well. Some people aren't going to watch. I totally understand why. But when you have 35, 36 events, you can't have the same thing over and over and over. And credit to the NASCAR. They're trying some different things. And whether it's been a success or failure on track, and I know Kevin Harvick in particular has been vocal about. Uh, <laughs> He's the, been vocal because he hasn't done well. Yeah, right. In that event. And, and so, but you cannot tell me watching that on Sunday night and the closing laps and Kyle Busch and, and the, the way he won that race wasn't exciting. I know for some, you know, contact and all that isn't racing, but, you know, go back and watch classic you know nascar races from the inception in the 50s and 60s and they're beat and bang it's always been a a part of stock car racing and there's nothing wrong with that in my opinion it may not be your cup of tea but it's all right i enjoy nascar in the short tracks but that's just me well i mean martinsville's been a snoozer over the last several years darlington's usually decent yeah but you know on dirt and, and i'll be honest you know as that race went on there you saw some plenty of asphalt in there like those lines started to come <laughs> in and be a little bit cleaner so um, i think you need to cover it more with dirt there's some you know different things you can try and do but it's a concept that i think has worked by and large for nascar and early indications are it will return for a third season next year at bristol some responses on this hunter's way 67 i can't believe people watch that garbage wwe E on wheels what a joke i mean to each their own opinion pad jays why stop there i think any car needs to go back to board tracks it's a win-win <laughs> it helps the lumber industry and brings in fans of real racing with no real pavement racing. and dirt are for cowards jamin t14 says just make a small section dirt maybe turn seven to nine since we sit over there yeah see there you go and then this have is a on couple, the road course mind yes you. and then have a couple turns maybe the s's where it's wet and then Cole, the show bear says, I mean, we have a dirt track in the infield with the gif of the guy, you know, pointing at his temple. Like, you know, you're thinking <laughs> next level with that. Um, yeah. All, all good responses. Good stuff on that. A uh, couple other things to get to. We didn't talk about this before, but the chassis lifespan for the DW 12 through at least 2024, according to racer.com. Vicky Lane 26 says, don't like that. Poach Shevchenko, when I watch an IndyCar race or F1 GP with my dad, who I brought into racing, tells me the F1 cars look better than the Indy cars because of the aero screen. I respond by saying that there is no way you can put a halo or aero screen on a 10-year-old car and have it look good. And I also reassure him that the next chassis would look better. Sigh, that will take a few more years. No, what's interesting in that story is the fact that there is no reference to the weight of the car, which has been brought up time and again as the problem with this chassis between the aero screen and the new engine package in 2024. Roger Penske specifically says there's no problem, there's no issues with this chassis, so why would we change it? The issue, I thought, was weight. So either Roger Penske's completely ignoring the problem is not aware of the problem which i would find hard to believe or is just going to settle at this point to swallow that issue and have teams deal with it as opposed to giving them another huge check to write after having to upgrade their engine package in a couple years and i feel like that's kind of what i'm thinking it is 
comments on the Rossi to McLaren um, news that, that we reported, uh, according to our source. Hunter's Way 67 as an Andretti Autosport and Alex Rossi fan. This is a bummer, but not surprising. Uh, this from 28 IndyCar fan just said, not surprised. Elsewhere, Scott DC 861. According to Michael Andretti, Rossi's contract prohibits him from negotiating with or signing with another team until later in the year. How are they getting around that? Uh, we touched on that earlier, but again, just because Rossi can't talk to other teams doesn't mean his manager or his agent and his manager is his father can't talk with other teams. That's how they're working around it. Yeah. Ways around such things. And then uh, we got a, a couple on this one that you posted. You said, Hey, Connor as in Connor daily. What do drivers with all their apparel and swag from old uh, do with all their apparel and swag from old sponsors? You have a stockpile of Smithfield and us air force stuff. You can only wear around the house. Jeremy from HBG said closet full of meats. And then <laughs> Nick J. Fletcher uh, with a link racing hall of fame collection.com. I did take a look at that. And then you can search Connor Daly's name says this has a chunk of the race used stuff, but I'm here for the less desirables. Hit me up with the Smithfield hats. <laughs> so yeah, I stuff. wondered it because you know, it was during Connor Daly's appearance yesterday, which I really did like Marty Snyder's setup where he was bringing in a variety of people throughout the test. I think it's a lot better than just watching drivers go around and then the booth being responsible of keeping everybody awake and had Connor Daly in there and was sporting that, I don't know what to call it, the Bitcoin equivalent kind type thing, whatever, um, which is his sponsor. And I'm going, man, he's, what do you do? Because you get, he, he has a hat of this team and all this stuff it's like once you you know it's one and done basically through through may potentially so it's kind of wondering you know I, I get it you can you know racing suits you keep and all that stuff but just what about the hats and polos and and all that stuff i mean that stuff's got to pile up and to me you know i hate it when you know either you outgrow something or whatever he's like man you know it was part of my wardrobe like you know you gotta completely change your wardrobe and get rid of stuff when you can't wear it and with that in ramp right Yes. <laughs> That'll wrap up the mailbag for this week. Quickly get through news and notes. Not a whole lot of stuff to get to. First off from the racer mailbag, uh, Marshall Pruitt talking about the the issue with the 33rd entry, um, responding to someone, but with the number of full-time teams adding full-time cars and no longer having extra crew to deploy for extra cars of co-entries. Uh, that's part of the reason some of the month of May crew members took full-time jobs with teams for those new season-long entries. The pool of ready and waiting veterans has shrunk. And for Team Penske, they're down two entries. And that went to the Penske Porsche Motorsports program and then kind of answered another thing on what could change in the future. And Marshall said, and we've touched on this recently, big change from the any only entrants have experienced. It's a lack of willingness from full-time teams to lease extra cars or co-enter on cars they'd run. The hardships being felt this year might actually have a positive effect next year. Some have refused to let this happen again and say they're going to buy their own Delora DW12s to at least have that big asset under their control. I feel like if you're serious in competing in this series, you have to invest in a chassis. I think that solves a lot of problems. Full-time teams aren't willing to loan equipment out to you. And quite frankly, you know how tough is it to make take you seriously long term if you're not willing to invest in the capital of buying a chassis so we've mentioned the engine's not the problem right the the two problems are primarily 
lack of chassis or in terms of lack of um, willingness to rent out equipment and the availability of quality crews. Those are the kind of the two things that are holding this up. But having a chassis available, owning it really, really gives you a head start and an advantage. And knowing who owns it. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask RC Enerson and Top Gun who owns that darn thing. Nathan, that should be our, our Drive to Survive series for IndyCar. Nathan Brown of the Indy Star running through the changes for Nashville. They widened the turn 11 apex six feet. As one of the tighter turns, the bridge transition areas will be smoothed. They're resurfacing the turn five apex to minimize the bump. Track width on entry into turn nine reduced to 50 feet for more suites. And the big one, the restart zone will move to the area where the race starts coming back over the bridge. That seemed like an obvious move that they can make. They're doing that. Plus, they're adding this pro watercross national tour stop with jet skis that'll race on the river. And they'll also have a river boat uh, for a cruise from Opryland, or you can sit on the boat. I think it's like General Jackson something is kind of the name. You can watch the race on TV. $349. I don't think I will take part in that. I already have my my tickets. That will not be not be one of them. Not be something that you're going to partake in, huh? No. All right. couple other notes to get to here quickly. This from MarshallPruitRacer.com. There's a private test at Gateway a few days back for Indy Lights. They're evaluating a Firestone tire. Remember, it used to be Firestone uh, yeah. Indy Lights back in the past, so they could change there, currently using Cooper tires. And that would just change Indy Lights. It would not Correct. affect the rest of the ladder. Correct. Also, Nathan Brown, uh, with this, tweeting a story out. Very interesting. Angelo Pizzo, if you know the name, it's because he's behind Rudy and behind Hoosiers. Well, he's working on a project on the inaugural Indy 500, and it will be just called 500. There are details in the Indy Star on that, but very interesting story. They've already built the first and second place like replica cars for this. Nice. And they're looking for like a streaming TV series to go along with it. Pretty sweet. Bob Jenkins, they're working on a mural in his hometown of Liberty, Indiana. There's a GoFundMe for that. And it'd be a mural by renowned artist Pamela Bliss to honor Bob. So you can check out the GoFundMe for that project. Congrats to Joseph and Ashley Newgarden. So they welcomed Coda Nikolai Newgarden. And I named after Circuit of the Americas? N- no, oh. with a K. Okay. So, and I forget the meaning of the name, but uh, his wife, Ashley, worked at like Disney in Japan. I think there's probably a connection oh. there. With that, um, and then for uh, Graham and, and Courtney, Baby yeah, Ray Hall number two coming in September. So yeah, congratulations be to them. Second child. So congrats to them on that. And with all of that, Justin, time for our random split air driver of the week. All right, we are going to 1998, and we're going to go to CBR Cobb Racing. And do you remember Jim Guthrie? Yes. Okay. Excellent. I you know. He's not as obscure as we've had here on the show before, but I think his story is pretty crazy. Uh, So Jim Guthrie, he raced for the Cobb Racing Team in 1998, uh, debuted in 1996. Um, When the IRL moved a purpose-built chassis in 97, he was forced to take out a second mortgage to purchase a new chassis. Second mortgage, people. So new teams, if you're trying to get into the series and you haven't bought a chassis, 
Jim Guthrie got a second mortgage on his house to purchase a new chassis. He had no sponsorship, and the prospects of losing his house if his venture was unsuccessful. He then won the second race in the new chassis at Phoenix in 1997. He got sponsorship from Jacuzzi for the 500. That's cool. And ended up winning Rookie of the Year and kept his house. Most important thing (laughs) is Jim Guthrie kept his house. Uh, He contested four races in 98. Uh, but then during the Indianapolis 500, he was seriously injured in a multi-car crash, returned later in the season for two different teams. Uh, he attempted the 1999 Indianapolis 500, but failed to qualify his Colson racing entry. So in 1998, uh, he raced for ISM racing at Indy and then uh, CBR Cobb racing and Riley and Scott cars. Yeah, I remember that chassis. He raced in Las Vegas. So... Um, 1999, Coulson Racing did not qualify. In 2001, Blueprint Racing did not qualify at Indianapolis. But, um, you know, I thought it was a fascinating story with Jim Guthrie because of, you know, the trials and tribulations he went to. And also, I did not, I didn't remember this, fielded an Indy Lights team for his son, Sean. I did not know that. Uh, When was that? In 2005, in Star Mazda. Uh, began with the um, driver Travis Gregg at Homestead. Rafa Matos. He had success in the latter. He did. Scored the first team's first two wins at St. Pete. Also had Logan Gomez in. I remember that Logan, name. Yeah. Um, let's see. Frank Pereira. Do you remember uh-huh. Frank? Didn't he run an IndyCar for a, a race Pereira or two? Did. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember the funky Frank spelling. Um, he did compete in Formula Drift. Um, and actually in, on September 25th, 2012, understeered crashed, flipped his 2011 Ford Mustang, um, and, uh, was hurt there. But, uh, today is actively involved in the local community in Albuquerque, New York, owns a business car crafters, and his latest interest is triathlons and competed his first half Ironman in Monterey, Mexico in 2016. His top finish at the Indianapolis 500 came his first year, rookie year, 1996 with Lola, was 18th in a Lola chassis. Uh, and he raced, I think, Blueprint Racing back then, even. Uh, and then he won later on that year for Blueprint at Phoenix. So that is our random split air driver of the week, so Jim, Jim Guthrie. Guthrie. Which, you know, isn't as random, I think, as we've had, but... You know, a lot of these guys that even, you know, we've heard of have amazing backstories. I think Jim Guthrie is one of them. Absolutely. Well, for that, that wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we will be back as it will be race week and it will almost be May as IndyCar will go to Barber for the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama that is on Sunday, May 1st. So we'll get you a preview of that race and whatever news and craziness happens between uh, now with the IMS test and the end of the test and next week. All to come next week on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.